Hello, welcome to One Moment Wiser. It's just me today. I am just doing a little something special. So I am normally a summer girl, but Christmas is my favorite time of year. This is the time of year when we're reminded that Jesus was born as a baby, that the essence of God was poured down and filled up a body so that we could understand that God gets us so that we could see the lengths God was willing to go to save us from self-destruction and from the hand of the devil. And we could have abundant life, a real relationship with our creator. This is the time of year when we're reminded that all that started in a barn because there wasn't room anywhere else in a strange city when a teenage girl gave birth to a baby who would have to learn how to speak, who would have to learn how to, you know, cut teeth and walk and build things and talk. John 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that word actually had to learn to utter words we could understand when he was born to Mary and Joseph. To me, that is so just, it just blows my mind. And so tonight, before we get started with our Christmas festivities, before we open our own presents, before we feed our own families, I just wanted to spend a little time with you and dwell on that in the little bit of quiet that we have. Now, what has been on my mind lately is how we look at this sweet little Jesus boy, this sweet little baby, and see him as kind of a, a cherub you know, so precious. And he was. I mean, who doesn't love a cute little baby, right? But we might miss that this was a hero wrapped in swaddling clothes. We might miss that this was power and strength and such passion wrapped up in this tiny life that began, probably not at this time of year, but began in a year, in a family. So tonight, instead of singing songs about the baby, and instead of reading the story from Luke, which I definitely recommend that you read among your family, Christmas Eve, that you actually spend the time reading the story from Luke because it's beautiful and it's one of my favorite Christmas Eve traditions. 
Before we do that, let's dwell a little bit on who Jesus was, who this baby was. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, there are people who don't know God, who blame God for everything that goes wrong when God is the good one. And anytime there's good, it seems there has to be evil because he gave us choice and we don't always choose good. People blame God for everything that goes wrong. And those same people have been known to call Jesus' personal sacrifice as cosmic child abuse because God gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him would have everlasting life. And people twist that into something terrible that God did. And so I want to talk about this little baby's strength tonight. Jesus came, but he wasn't blind. In Hebrews 1, it says he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. In John 1, it says, in the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. In Luke 2, it shows us this little baby having turned 12 years old. So at 12 years old, he went with his parents to Jerusalem for Passover. And on the trip back, the parents and the big crowd of people they were traveling with um, were a few days down the road. And the parents went, where is our kid? And it says, after three days of looking for him, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated us like this? We've been anxiously searching for you. And he said, well, why? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? At 12 years old, Jesus knew who he was. Hebrews 12 says, as an adult, he knew what he was doing. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12 says, verse 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the thing. 
God loved us. He loves you. He created you and he didn't stop creating when people started going wrong. Because no matter how many times you've gone wrong in your life, no matter how many times I have gone wrong in my life, God doesn't see all the wrong. He sees the whole package. He sees the person he has made you and me. He sees the gifts he put in us and the ideas and plans he has for our life. The things he wants to do with you now and throughout eternity. He sees that. And he looked down at humanity, where we were. And he said, we're so lost. He said, ah, let me save you. Let me show you. So in Hebrews 12, it says, Jesus willingly for the joy set before him endured the cross. Who nailed Jesus to the cross? People. Who manipulated those people? The devil, the accuser who thought he was going to have a victory here because he'd been ruling this place for a while. Well, God doesn't let the devil get away with that. He says, fine, whatever. I'm going to have victory. We had to see how we could get manipulated. We had to see what we were capable of doing in our fear and our pride. The links we were able to go to, links of evil. We had to see who we were and we had to see how much God loves us anyway so that we could begin to see ourselves through his eyes, so that we could begin to see the love that he has for us. And that little baby born at Christmas, whenever Christmas happened to be that first year, that little baby was that hero who came on purpose to live the example of God the full image of God, the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews 1 tells us, so that we could see what God was like. And it ended that time with us, showing us what we were like and showing us how God can conquer anyway. God raised him from the dead so that he could say, hey, hey, don't give up. Look, God is bigger than our sin. God is bigger than what humanity is capable of doing. God is big enough to turn this around into something that has everlasting impact. Something that's able to draw you and I into an eternal relationship. That right now, in this year, 2020, 
even though some people might think 2020 was terrible, right now in this year, 2020, God can turn things around that right now we can have relationship with him and seek good. And that happens for all eternity because that little baby was so stinking brave. So Jesus prayed for us. And that tonight, more than the baby, is what I'd like to dwell on. Let's listen to John 17 and see what kind of hero this was, is. John 17, verse 17 says, When Jesus had spoken his words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all you've given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. These are Jesus' own words. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Now glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. He goes on to say, I've manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept their word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. For I've given them the words you gave me, and they received them, have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they're yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Think about that for a second. When we believe in Jesus, and we align ourselves with his character, with the character of God that's reflected, imprinted on him, then we show his glory. No matter what we've done in the past, no matter how many mistakes you made today, no matter what attitude you had earlier at work, continuing to have that faith in Jesus and that Spirit rebirth lets you glorify God in your life. So Jesus said, I'm glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be filled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak 
in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know, Jesus told us that in this world, there'd be trouble. And he knew before he came that in this world, sometimes that trouble comes at our hands against the innocent, against the the people who actually come to love and save. We've seen this year in 2020 how people who worked violence against one another, people who out of fear, out of misunderstanding, caused destruction, intimidation, and separation, division. Jesus came into that world. It was no different back then, maybe even worse. So Jesus knew, but he said, hey, I kept them in your name. I guarded them. And now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. My joy fulfilled. Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, wanted us to have some of that joy. For us to understand that joy isn't about what I'm going through right now. Joy can't be stopped by what you do to me tomorrow. Joy is of God. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's something we can have through every single circumstance, even the ones we've had this year. Maybe you felt a little anxious. Maybe you've you felt a little like, why me? But joy is something that can surpass that as we continue to fix our eyes on Jesus. As we continue to trust that there are things we don't understand, but our Father loves us. We are eternal, and He has set joy before us. So Jesus said, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, he said, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus didn't ask that we accept him and his gift and then poof, we go to heaven and spend the rest of eternity with no problems. Jesus said, hey, they're going to be in this world. Just keep them from the evil one. You know, we have a responsibility there as well. God put Adam and Eve in a protected space in the Garden of Eden. And yet, Eve chose to listen to the evil one. God gave us choice because he didn't want blow-up dolls. He wanted a relationship with humans who chose to love him and who were intelligent enough to understand him and mirror his creativity and mirror his love. Because of that, we have to be wise. We have to guard ourselves so that we aren't seeking out deception so that we aren't opening the door 
for the evil one. But Jesus prayed, hey, you know, keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. So sanctify them in the truth. Jesus said, your word is truth. Again, we're responsible here to get the truth inside of us, to turn off the things that broadcast falsehood and deception and bad attitudes and bad decisions and turn on, on a regular basis, the word of God. Because in that truth is where we can live and grow and find joy and not find regret. So he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in truth. We're in the world and we're sent. We're sent. We have a purpose here. And it's not just for ourselves. It's not just to find happiness. Although God gives us joy. Our purpose is we are sent. He said, I don't ask for these only, not just the disciples that were with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. He repeats this oneness. It must be important. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you've given to me, I've given to them. And they may be one, even as we are one. Oh my goodness, he's repeating it again. Unity in God together is powerful. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Does the world know? Does the world know that Jesus came not as a harmless, innocent dove who totally didn't know what was coming, but as a passionate lover of God's people who wanted us to come to God and was willing to go to any length, even at our hands, to make that happen. Does the world see that? Does the world see that you and I, when we believe in Jesus, are loving to one another and that we are loved by God? Does the world see the joy that God brings us? Does the world see the comfort that we find in him, the peace that passes understanding? Does the world see our faith? The world is deceived by faith that doesn't have anything to do with the one who created us and understands and knows our future. The world is deceived by faith that is empty and doesn't contain relationships. Do they see our faith as faith and powerful? Do they see what Jesus says here? That when they live in truth 
and become perfectly one that the world will know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire, he says, that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world doesn't know you, I know you. And these know that you've sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You know, when you don't know someone and you hear pieces about them on the news or by word of mouth, you make judgments on that person based on those pieces and your own baggage. You make judgments about the fatherhood based on your experience and your father disconnect or the people you love and the hurt that they've been through. Jesus made known to us who the father really is. I've made known to them your name. I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. As we get to know God, as we get to know Jesus, as we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us, showing the glory of God through our love, we can change the world's perspective, but we can also be strong, just like Jesus was strong. Jesus went through that because he had such a foundation of knowing, such a foundation of knowing that no lie could penetrate that. No doubt, no trial could sway him because he knew God. So this Christmas, I am praying that you would too. I am praying that you would know, know God. He loves you so much. God bless you. Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'm Christy Bridges and I teach Christians to become authors because God speaks to different people through our unique voices. If you'd like to know more, visit onemomentwiser.com. That's the number one, momentwiser.com.